What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Quick Time, the podcast. We got our normal gang back with us. Jason Orth, Brad Brown uh, is joining me once again at the IB Bruin Factory. Uh, guys, how was your week? It was pretty good. Uh, had a nice uh, weekend, great weekend for uh, watching, racing, grilling out, you know, so caught a lot of uh, outlaws and just whatever the heck was running. Was a lot of windows open on the uh, computer, so... It's a good weekend, a lot of a uh, lot of racing on, so I got a lot of it in. About same here. I a beautiful weekend here in Lincoln, Nebraska. The weather was great, hazy, hazy, foggy sky from the the fires back uh, west. But uh, it was a good weekend. Got some yard work done in the evening. I had flow racing. I had dirt vision. I was doing going all over looking at racing, racing, racing highlights, and uh, just had a had a good time at home, relaxing and chilling, and having a couple of YB brewing beers and. And uh, enjoying the weekend. Yeah, Jason, you mentioned you were grilling. You uh, posted a uh, little Facebook <laughs> photo of some wings on the yeah, grill. I man, they looked to deliver. They looked amazing. Where in the hell? Where the hell <laughs> they yeah. at? You know, once uh, you know, I thought my race uh, race year was over. You know, attending live races, but just out of blue, I got a wild hair up my ass and decided to uh, take me up to Houston Speedway for my first ever race there, and uh, I, I was not disappointed. What'd you think of the place? You know, the racetrack, you know, in any racetrack, it's dirt in a circle, basically. But the facility, man, it was top-notch. Uh, the old, we don't know, we're not going to say his name, but the old owner, he definitely spruced up the place a lot. Uh, so uh, Todd has a gem on his hands there. Uh, Doug uh, Johnson running the place, you know, it's it's a great facility. The track was good. Definitely going to go back. Yeah, it's it's a neat place. It's definitely on my list for next year. How many times did you count yourself t- counting from 1 to 20 on those billboards? Seeing all those numbers out there, that, uh, that has to be a little distracting. But uh, I understand why they're doing it. They're trying to sell ads and so forth. But those big ass numbers out there, it's kind of it's kind of <laughs> funny. Uh, you, count, you see yourself counting to ten or whatever every time you see in turn one, two, and three, whatever. You know, I noticed them, and I was trying my damnedest to not get them in the background of my photos, but it did not work out so well. <laughs> yeah, that facility is is amazing, and and. Uh, now that Todd Coring owns it, I, I look for nothing but bigger and better things out of Houston's and and thank God it's back to Houston Speedway because that other name was it just did not flow very well. So glad that Todd uh, has it and and uh, Doug Johnson's going to do fine. He does a great job up there at Jackson. I don't think he'll do anything less than um, a stellar performance over there at Houston's as well. Yeah, I definitely got to thank Doug Johnson. I texted him on Friday night about one a.m. after they finished up. Be like, hey, Doug. Uh, I think I'm going to come up. Is there any way I can get on the media list? And he, you know, responded right back and be like, yep, no problem. So, uh, yeah, my shout out is probably going to be Doug Johnson. And I also want to shout out the Nebraska boys because they had a hell of a run up there both nights uh, with that, uh, without uh, Dusty Bollinger picking out the victory lane. It was all Nebraska boys in the uh, IMCA class up there. Yeah, definitely. Definitely a great, um, great showing by the group up there. Obviously, you know, as we've seen, it's, this is probably some of the best uh, 305s at, in the country are, are racing right here. So good to see him go up, go up there and represent. I was glad to see uh, Jack Dover. I mean, keep I keep dropping his name on this podcast, but uh, man, you, you, I mean, why wouldn't you? The guy does a great job. He just goes to the front all the time, and he didn't win either days uh, either day up there, but uh, he was right to the front, and, and he got second on the first night. And Shane Golubic just found the top side a little bit earlier than he did, and went right around him. And then after that, they were pretty much neck and neck, and Jack stayed right with him. And so uh, Jack had a pretty good weekend, even though he didn't get any wins. It was still a pretty good performance. Yeah. Yeah, you know, great performance by Jack, you know, finishing second the first night and third on the finale night. I, I guess uh, from what I heard, the track took a little bit of rubber on that first night. And once Shane found that, it was, it was just hard to get by him. So, Yeah, and you, you saw the video highlights of that. And, yeah, that's pretty much what happened. Uh, they were all right on the bottom. On a small track like that, you, I, I like to see them up on the guardrail, just hitting the cushion and fl- sailing around the top. But, uh, yeah, that first night they were pretty much all on the bottom. And uh, once they got settled in, it was pretty much over at that point. Yeah, definitely. When I got there, you know, like I said, I've never seen a race there before. I've been there twice just to watch it rain, but going down there on Saturday, and I was like, I just wish they would just rip the lip the entire time. I mean, it was it's it's an awesome place. Yeah, when I um, I always remember going in there. I went back to the old Mad Max movie with Thunderdome, and I was just reminded that that's what it always reminded me of. Everybody's sitting on top. Yeah, it's tight. It's contained. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. And because it's so small, I I kind of like what they do. They the 
in this last weekend, the 305s unloaded and parked in the infield, and so the trailers were outside, and I, I believe the, the 360s were in the back uh, outside the track. Yeah. I love that because as a fan, uh, especially when there's downtime, you can you can watch the, the crews work on their cars. You're close enough to where you can see a decent amount of stuff going on, and so I kind of like that, and uh, it's kind of close quarters there in that uh, Houston's infield. I was there shooting photos once, and I was scared the whole time, but uh, it's kind of, as a fan, it was kind of fun to watch all that happen. And during, especially in between races and so forth. Yeah, you mentioned that uh, you were there shooting photos before. I was talking to Jeff Baisalma, another photographer, and he goes, he told me that this place is tough to shoot. And he was not lying. Did yeah. you find, and find oh. it you know, very hard to find Ab- angles and all that sort of stuff? Well, absolutely. And there's not very many places where you can stand where you feel relatively safe. And uh, that infield is so so full of people and cars and tow rigs and push trucks. And then you got the cars going I mean, they're they're super fast in that little track, and so I felt exposed the whole time. You didn't know where to stand, yet you wanted to get the good angle, but yet you wanted to be relatively safe. And so, yeah, it was a it was a tough challenge for me to shoot that uh, at that track. Yeah, safe. We don't we don't do safe anymore. <laughs> I do. That's why I'm in the stands now. Yeah. <laughs> now, all right. So speaking of Houston's, uh, we're going to have Saturday night's feature winner Tim Cading on later on in the program and uh there was some big news you know we mentioned it earlier i guess no we failed to mention it uh on the last podcast brad and i had it yeah we did yeah brad and i had it in our notes but uh we didn't read them uh darren Pittman is uh his last race in that roth 83 was on uh saturday at devil's bowl and spencer basin is going to jump in that spencer's going to join us later on the program as well and he's going to talk about that ride a little bit and how that came about that's pretty cool uh spencer he just his name just keeps getting more popular and more popular, and he's having more and more success. And it's got to be hard to be, have a, a successful night because he's jumping around from car to car. Of course, he, he keeps landing in really good cars, but still, you know, drivers always talk about gelling with the crew chief and so forth, and he doesn't have that chance because he's usually in the ride for about two weeks, and then he moves on to the next ride. And it's just the way it is. There's more drivers than there are cars and so he's putting together a pretty good season in this covid year and uh he's having um, so now he's landing in the roth motorsports car and boy yeah that's what a great opportunity for him well and how about you know a little uh little tip of the cap to darren Pittman coming out there at lawton side of his first ever world of outlaws win you know i was kind of wrapping up that uh, you know ride with the roth motorsports and and takes the checkered flag and that was that was a fun race to watch yeah, definitely. We mentioned that uh, Darren's going to be out of the 83 now, but he is already landed another ride in the Hefner 27 out in PA. Uh, he ran that car for a few years, uh, a couple years ago, so it's nice to see kind of a kind of a regrouping of that team coming back together. Yeah, you don't know what really happens, what has happened there with, with the Roth car and Darren Pittman. I mean, in one of the, I think it was SprintCarUnlimited.com stories, uh, Darren was told about mid-June that he's not going to be in the car anymore. Um, and like Darren said, the, the, the team is just getting worse and worse instead of better. So he felt it was best to just jump out and try to find something to finish out the year. And, and of course, Hefner, they've been struggling for the last two years, well, ever since Greg Hodna got killed in his car. And now that they're had a seat open and they've been regrouping and they put Darren in it, I really hope Darren has a good, good showing. And I, I hope Spencer has a, has a good showing in the 83 car. You know, hopefully the, all all those guys have a, a good showing. You mentioned that, you know, it's kind of the way of the world right now where, you know, you guys, got, there's more cars than there are, or more drivers than there are cars. So you see guys like, you know, Spencer jumping in and out of cars, Shane Stewart's doing it. Tim Kading, our, one of our guests coming up here later on, he's doing kind of the same thing. He's in that side 7S car. Yep. Uh, he jumps in the uh, Lundstrom Motorsports 3 when he's out here in the Midwest. And unfortunately, to do COVID stuff, uh, the 42 car he normally drives out in California is, uh, for the most part, been parked. Well, I, you know, that's the problem, too. You know, and it goes along with the whole year. I'm sure, you know, moods that soured, soured a lot more quickly when you've always got just kind of this specter, this kind of this, you know, bad, bad juju kind of run around everywhere, you know. And it's it's a strange year. I mean, it's one of the strangest years of racing. It's, uh, you know, there's the highs watching, you know, Kyle Larson do what Kyle Larson's doing. Watch some of these guys like, uh, you know, Jacob Allen picking up their first win. And kind of that emergence, maybe of that next generation of outlaws like Logan Shuhart and, and Sheldon Hodenshield, you know. So there's a lot of great things and a lot of weird things, and this is what we get. And I'm just, I'm just glad to be watching races. Yeah, I'm, I'm quickly becoming a fan of Logan Shuhart. I mean, he's, he's 
several years ago, I, f- I don't remember when it was, four or five years ago, we were up in uh, Aberdeen, South Dakota. They they raced at uh, North Dakota in uh, River uh, in Grand, in Grand Forks, and then the next night they raced in Aberdeen, and we were in Aberdeen, and they were sharing the parking lot with us in our hotel, and a friend of mine went out there, and we were just starting to talk to them, and they were the, the the shark racing they were great people i mean they they answered every question whether it was a dumb question or not they took the time to just chat with us and then uh by the end of the the trip uh my friend and i both walked up to logan and gave him a 50 dollar bill and said good luck to you and ever since then we just just kept an eye on him and watched him progress and now he's he's grown into one of the top three or four drivers on the world of Alla tour and so to watch where he was and the, the the parts just they just did not have good equipment. They were dropping out of a lot of races and so forth. To where they are now is amazing, and he's he's uh, he's grown so much, and he's clearly one of the best drivers on the tour. And so um, uh, now that Darren's leaving the World of Outlaw Tour, I think I found my new favorite driver. Yeah, definitely. I'm I'm kind of in the market myself for a new favorite driver. You know, <laughs> Shane Stewart's been one of my favorites for the longest time. Now that he's not on the tour full time anymore. Uh, I've been hunting for the last year or so. Well, and we're starting to see, you know, and, you know, we talked a couple weeks ago about Donnie shots, you know, it just, just ain't clicking for him this year. And it's not, and again, not saying he's uh, washed up all the kind of craziness that's happened uh, with his team as well. But we're now seeing, I, like I said, we're, I think we're starting to see that, that next group, you know, this yep. is going to be your next guys, your shoe hearts and your hunting shields, you know, Carson Macedo, right David Gravel. Yep. These guys are going to be the ones that are going to be the faces of the tour from you know here on out, and it's it's neat to to see that transition take place. And and Donnie's not done. Yeah, no, they, I mean they just got to figure Kinsler out. Was winning, you yeah. know, two thousand five was his last championship. Yeah. yeah, and that was when he was on the quote decline. They just got to figure out the Fords and get yep. the crew chief situation all figured out, and with health reasons or health issues and so forth, and they'll be back. They just. Putting a uh, uh, putting together a new motor from ground up is is got to be really hard. So uh, there's no no reason to expect shots not to be back in 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 prime form here next year. But uh, yeah, there's no question the the new faces are coming and and they're doing a great job out there on that World of Outlaw Tour. Yeah, definitely. The points battle now is is already tight. But you know, you mentioned that you know Donnie's he he'll be back. And yeah, know, could you imagine if you know Donnie's on his A game now? You guys got like guys like Sweet and Logan up there, you know, running really well. The points battle and the championship, you know, battle, you know, in the years to come is going to be awesome to watch. Yeah. I'm pretty excited about Sheldon Hodenschild too. He's it took him a while to get started this year. They I don't know what the issue was, but they were slow to get started. But it seems like they found their groove, and he's right there every night, and he's exciting to watch. And so yeah, that's it's going to be fun to see. I think there's 13 races left in the World of Outlaw season, and so I'm I can't wait to watch the rest of the season. Yeah, and it's not, you know, and again, not to keep harping on, you know, shots not having success, but it kind of opened a door now to get guys not only, you know, show that they can win, but get them in that winning mindset. And I think that really, that helps your confidence. It helps your, you know, as a driver. Once you, you see it, once they start winning, they, they kind of stay winning. So it's it's really given a lot of opportunities for other drivers. Yeah, know, confidence is, yeah, confidence is definitely a, a big part in the name of the game in the Outlaw Tour. I mean, you see guys, you know, come on the tour and they know they're going to get their ass kicked day in and day out. Mm-hmm. And I mean, for the first couple of years, I mean, look at Wayne Johnson. He, yeah. You know, he's a great, great driver, you know, wins a lot at Knoxville and, you know, he's had great success in the 360 class, jumps on this outlaw tour and he's mid pack. Well, and I don't yeah. think that this is a surprise to him. I I think I remember reading or, or hearing a podcast or something saying that he expects to get his ass kicked, yeah. but recently he's he's come out and said that he didn't realize it was going to be this bad of an ass kicking. But he's still plugging away and he's trying. And he had a a good showing at Devil's Bowl up. Uh, I think it was Devil's Bowl mm-hmm. up until the very end. Something happened and he kind of faded. But uh, he keeps plugging away and uh, yeah, he's once they get things sorted out. And this is a whole new ball game that from for him. So hopefully, hopefully he can come back next year and have a better he's, season. He's already came out and said he's going to be back on the tour next oh, year. Oh, is he? So. Good yep. for him. Good. Yeah, man, that's good for everybody. It's it's nice to see the outlaws kind of getting a little more of a full and consistent field too. So it's something I think that's been. I mean, they've had guys, but it's been kind of now you're going to have you know five, six, seven, eight competitors. You know, any not guys who can win any night kind of takes me back a little bit to the older days where you had, you know, yeah, you had your guys at the top, but any given night there are three or four or five guys that could 
we're, we're worth uh, betting on. And let's pray for a good, uh, normal 2021 season. Yeah, no kidding. Yep, that's all we can hope for right now. You, you kind of We kind of mentioned earlier that the season's winding down. I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this, but are you guys going to attend any more races this year, or are you pretty much locked and loaded on Dirt Vision and Flow Racing? I just got a notice just a little bit ago before we got on the air that my Dirt Vision subscription has been renewed for uh, October, so that's that's where I'm going to be watching races. Yeah, I'm I'm done. There's nowhere around here. I you know I don't know if there is anywhere we're going, and um uh, I've been doing pretty good just sitting at home and watching the show. So, yep. Yep. For the most part, I think I'm done. I kind of glanced a little bit at the power eye schedule. I kind of want to go watch Trey and, uh, speaking of Trey, he, he land, he's out of that Mounts Motorsports, a uh, double zero and landed a team ripper ride. So, uh, his first night out was, you know, cut short by rain and that the following night was also cut by rain. So, uh, oh, it's going to be exciting yeah. to see what he can do in this, uh, team ripper house car. Yeah, and it's good for him too. You know, we've had so many, um, we've had a lot of you know Midwest action going on in the wingless ranks, and uh, that's pretty cool too. And you know, it if you look at sprint car racing, I've seen uh, Terry Richards had something about you know non-wing get trying to get that going, and I'm sitting here thinking there are what if you want to run something in some sort of open wheel sprint car, open wheel car, you know, midget, whatever. There's gonna be like five, six different options for you to for you to do. So if you can't find any sort of racing that suits you around here, I don't know what else to tell you. I mean, make another class for you, I guess. I don't know. Run two eighty threes or V sixes. <laughs> you know, you know. Terry Richards posted something on on Facebook earlier today about uh, that Midwest uh, Racing Association thing. He's trying to get started, but obviously the COVID things kind of put a hamper on that. But he posted a thing about having an open track day. Uh, if you have a car, it's free to get in or you can rent a wingless car, hundred bucks for 10 laps. I want to know, does that apply to me? Can I go throw a hundred dollar bill down and rip 10 laps in a wingless car? <laughs> I, th- I think you can. The, the, the way I read it, anybody can go do it. And that's a hell of a lot cheaper than the Kenny Wallace driving school. I got 10 laps for like $300. And so yeah, hell yeah. If, if you can get her done, do it. So I say a road trip for the quick time boys. <laughs> <laughs> what track? Where are they? Where are they hosting? I, I don't know if they actually found a track yet. It was oh, just kind of see if there's any interest. Yeah, okay. there was a little bit. See if there's any interest, and I think Terry's going to try to find a place. Why to do was it, I so. think it was off road up in Norfolk? I could be wrong. That could be. I mean, I, I just kind of glanced at the Facebook post earlier today at my lunch break, and I didn't really read a whole yeah, lot into I, it. I saw the hundred. You know this this whole generation of headlight readers only. Yep, I'm one of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ditto. 140 characters or less. Yep. So with that said, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to be joined by Spencer Baston uh, talking about that Roth Motorsports ride. Welcome back, guys. We are now joined on the phone by Spencer Basin. Spencer had some good or some breaking news here this past week, landing that Roth 83 ride as Darren Pittman evacuated from and joined the Hefner team. Uh, Spencer, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Just uh, spent a little bit of time with the Roth guys today, getting everything lined up and ready to go. And uh, they've got a busy few days ahead of us, and so we're getting all prepared and ready to go. We're excited. So help us out here. Uh, can you tell us, uh, you said you spent the day with the Roth getting things ready. 
are you guys kind of just sitting around talking about terms and 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 knowledge and and setups and stuff or or how what do you how did you guys spend the day i, I assume you obviously you put your seat in and so forth but uh um what what did that all entail today just getting to know each other and so forth yeah the last i spent a little bit of, of yesterday there as well um last couple of days just trying to uh yeah just hang around and, and spend a little time with these guys just get to know them a little bit uh try to get on kind of the same wavelength a little bit um, you know, talking a little bit about plans on Eldor and what their approach is and you know, how they, they, they go about setup and things like that, but more just trying to, just trying to mess with everyone and, you know, build relationships. And, um, you know, it's, it's important for everyone to kind of be on the same page and know what's going on. So just kind of, uh, just spending time there. I got my seat mounted. Uh, they're actually putting together a different car than what they've been running. I try to get back to more of like a baseline. Uh, set up than what Darren had been running, so they've uh, you know been busting their butts working today in that car to put together, and then you know, get me comfortable in the cockpit, and uh, just make sure we have all of our ducks in a row and be all prepared, ready to go. Now, now you mentioned they're kind of you know switching things up a little bit, putting together a different car. Are you putting any input in as as far as what you like with a car? I know you run a few different cars this this past season. You know, most recently with the Swindell Thirty, uh, the Speed Lab car. Um, are you just kind of giving your input and in what, what you like in a feel for a car, or is it kind of this is what we're doing and no. you're kind of driving it? Yeah, not too much. I don't, uh, with my experience level, um, I don't really have much of, a, of an input. Um, I just, I kind of told them, I said, I'm usually pretty easy going. You know, just let's just start with what they're comfortable with and kind of go from there. And, uh, you know, if it's a pretty standard baseline, that's probably something similar to what I ran before. So, um, I'm not really a picky guy when it comes to that kind of stuff. So, you know, tomorrow night we'll, we'll kind of be able to tell where we're at and kind of go from there. I'm, I'm not really the, the guy to ever get out and start barking orders and telling them what to change, what we need. I'll just kind of keep them updated on how I feel and, and what I feel uh, like, you know, what could potentially make me better. Um, you know, if I'm, if I'm down left and I need to be stood up more or vice versa or just anything like that. If so, it's, uh, you know, my job is to go in circles and there's to figure out what it needs. So I do my best to give, uh, you know, the most accurate input as possible. Well, the next couple nights you're going to be at Eldora, which is a, everybody knows is a super fast, high banked half mile track. Uh, how, how has Eldora treated you and how have you done at Eldora over the years? Um, it's, it's definitely a technical, uh, difficult racetrack. Um, it's you know, notoriously fast and, has a big name uh, just because the excitement from uh, the grandstands watching. They, they've uh, done a good job at, at putting on the few good events they can this year. But um, I don't know. It's just it's a tough place, and uh, you know, I, Darren Darren has always seemed to have good speed in qualifying. So that's kind of where we're uh, trying to build off of is just qualifying is everything with this group. So um, I, I mean, I've ran okay there. I've never felt like I had a great performance. Um, but you know, if your if your car is good and you feel comfortable and confident, uh, you know you, you have good potential to to put together a really solid night. Yeah, definitely. Kind of, are you kind of like um, kind of what's the plans with this car? Or is it kind of like an audition for you for next year, or are you kind of locked in for an outlaw tour next year? Kind of what's the plan with that? Uh, definitely not locked into anything. You know, with the situation that's been going on, they just needed someone to basically fill. Um, their last handful of races to finish the outlaw season. Um, uh, you know, they've, they, um, there's going to be a, there's going to be a lot of moving and shaking around in this, uh, in this, you know, the 410 wing cars at the end of this year. So there's going to be a lot of drivers up for, up for hire. And, you know, if I, I feel like if I can get in and perform, I can at least throw my name into the hat with everyone else. So, um, for right now, I'm, I don't know, I'm filling the, filling the seat for them and, uh, you know, hopefully we can put together, to get into the year and just kind of see where it takes us, but uh, really no plan, just uh, past running the the last outlaw races. Spencer, obviously you've had a tremendous success in a midget, and uh, you, you know expressed some desire to maybe kind of move on from that. What what uh, you know is four ten racing in your future kind of like you know where uh, Tyler Courtney was going, or is it something else, or is it just you know you're just going to go race whatever you can run and uh, try you know. <laughs> Basically, hit what pays the best, and and those kind of things. What what are kind of some of your uh, maybe your short term goals in racing? 
Um, short-term goals was just to be competitive and compete. Uh, feel like he kind of belonged, you know, there for a while. Well, I started in midgets and, you know, got, got going on that and, and had a little bit of success there. And so I tried to carry it over to the link cards. And when I did that, I just felt like it kind of stalled out after that first year and struggled and just, you know, it's tough to be in a good piece of equipment. You know, Swindell's car was always really good. And then, you know, I tried to branch out past that, do a little more and that kind of bit me. So I'm um, just trying to bring it back to, you know, making sure I'm in good equipment and, and doing what I can just to get out and compete. So this year, my main focus has been to run, you know, good, fast, competitive cars. And I know I can get in and, and be fast. So, and, you know, we did that with, uh, with, with Bernie's car and, Again, with Swindells and you know, Tarleton's, we had a good start to the season. Uh, COVID kind of put a stop to that. But uh, just making sure you're in a good piece. And you know, my, my short-term goal, I guess you could say, would be to just uh, you know, stay competitive, finish this season strong now with the opportunity that I have, and just try to make the most of it and uh, you know, see where it takes us next year. Well, you kind of touched on this in that answer. Uh, you started off strong with the Tarleton Racing Machine and that beautiful black 21. And uh, you got a win off of that or, uh, with that group real early, and then COVID set in, and you just got a recent win with Swindell Speed Labs. A question that I have for you is, is the year before you were racing, and, and you kind of touched on it that you uh, maybe not have had one of the, the best uh, seats to, to run in. What kind of process do you go through when somebody says, "Hey, Spencer, we would love you to drive this car"? D- do you is is it the situation where you, if you don't have anything else lined up, you kind of got to take whatever's available, or do you kind of go through your mind and say, "Well, this car is not very good, but I'm going to try to get this car"? Or how do you process? your options and figure out what car you're going to take when you don't have a, a solid ride coming up? Um, you know, it's tough because we all want to race, um, you know, and we never like sitting at home. Um, yeah, but it seems like there's more drivers than cars right now. Oh, that seems like that's always the, always the, the, the problem. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's tough. It's tough because, you know, there were weekends where I did have opportunities to go run, um, you know, one-off shows with, with individual teams where I felt like, you know, if I was to go run and, and not perform, uh, whether it was because I, I just didn't know the piece of equipment or I didn't feel like that car has performed well, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, keep your, your stock high, keep right. your value high. So right. It's really hard to be selective. And, uh, but there was, occasionally a couple weekends where i felt like it was better for me to just stay at home and um and kind of regroup and and try to find something where you know have a little bit more potential for success so um i went and played around and ran some midget stuff with the ryan bull crew felt like that was good just to fill my schedule but trying to just be selective on the sprint car stuff and you know obviously you know a, a good couple weekends in knoxville at Lincoln, you know, that helps my stock shoot up and makes me more valuable team owners. Well, there's a saying out there that says there's no such thing as uh, bad publicity is better than no publicity, but I, I disagree in sprint car racing. I think that if you have too many bad nights, people start forgetting about you and writing you off. But uh, So I, I can understand why you want to be a little selective. And, and fortunately, this year you've had some great rides and you've had some really good performances, so clearly it's paying off for you because Roth came calling, and so now you have a pretty good opportunity to finish out the year in the 83 car, and hopefully something positive happens and you can uh, have a, a pretty strong 2021. Yep, that's the open plan. I just... I've always felt like you got to just put yourself in the best situation possible. You need a little luck on your side, you know, perform good at the right races. And we tried to, I tried to focus on the, the big events this year and make the most of those opportunities. And you know, I'm thankful for uh, Dennis and Teresa Roth with, uh, with this next opportunity. And I'm hoping to, uh, you know, just kind of back it up and, and make the most of it and uh, see where it takes us. Are you looking to, uh, for next year, are you looking to, you know, maybe just kind of run your own schedule? Are you going to be uh, maybe chasing a series somewhere? Um, what are your plans there? At, yeah, at this point, it's up in the air. It's, uh, mm-hmm. um, I mean, ideally, I think my, my end goal would be to do an outlaw deal. Um, so, you know, trying to, you know, just keep that in mind and work towards that. But, you know, I, at the uh you know at worst i mean i would i would love to just be able to put together kind of a 
true outlaw schedule to hit all the big events with you know a good established team and uh, you know go run all the all the good shows and and uh, you know try to perform well and just uh, you know see what happens. Well, uh, kind of like the last question before we let you go here. I, I just got uh, kind of just this question popped into my head, and clearly uh, the best case scenario would be for you to be a full time World of Outlaw next year with the eighty three car, but. Um, Right now in our situation, not knowing what's going to happen in hell the rest of this year, let alone 2021, how hard is it for you to sit back and kind of try to plan 2021 when we really don't even know what the heck's going to happen with 2020 yet? Is it, I mean, do you, do you have some things that you're plan, uh, working on or is it you just kind of write it out and see what happens? No, I've got, yeah, I've got a couple, um, you know, a couple of different teams that I've been in communications with. Um, and just trying to keep those options open and, and keeping everyone in the loop. And, uh, you know, I don't, uh, you know, you have, you have your list of, of what you would, you know, prefer and, uh, what would you, you may least prefer. Um, so you try to keep those, you know, those people at the top of your list, you know, important and, and informed and keep them in the loop. So, um, trying to just keep my options open. I do have a couple of different, uh, situations I could get myself into potentially for next year, but like you said, you, you just don't know what's going to happen. So you just try to uh, not burn bridges. Um, you know, keep relationships strong and and uh, just kind of see where it takes you. Yeah, definitely. It sounds like you know you, you got many balls in the air right now. So uh, we want to wish you uh, success with with this uh, so called eighty three audition for the rest of the year with the Outlaws. Uh, good luck this weekend at Eldora, and uh, thanks for jumping on and taking time out of your day with us. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. All right. That was Spencer Basin joining us. Uh, sounds like, you know, you just got a seat fitted in that 83 car uh, heading out to Eldora. And uh, sounds like it's going to be a hell of a show out there this, uh, this in the next couple of days. It's going to be a lot of fun. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. It's a bucket list track for me. And I've said that several times on this show. And so, yeah, I mean, there's nothing else to do on a Tuesday and Wednesday. So Dirt Vision it is. And uh um, I can't wait to see watch this race and see how it all plays out. But I really hope. I mean, Roth has spent millions and millions of dollars on this uh, uh, this uh, this venture of being a sprint car owner. He's had a lot of success. Never a World Outlaw Championship. I, I hope Spencer does well enough to. What's that? Didn't Lasowski win? Yeah, I think Lasowski won a championship oh, with them. My bad. You're right. <laughs> he, he won the Knoxville Championship. I was uh, the, the Nationals. I wasn't even thinking. Did he win that World of Outlaws? I think. Or did I he don't win know. that? I think well, it was just. That, where? Where's? Well, yeah. we might edit this out. But where's uh, Kevin Eckert when he need him? Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, he's he spent millions of dollars so uh, uh, on this sprint car. So hopefully Spencer does what he needs to do and gets a, lands a ride, and they have a, a, a good season together. Yeah, definitely. It's weird that you mentioned, you know, like Roth Motorsports and and how we say there's more drivers than car owners out there and. You know, we mentioned Lasowski there. Roth has been in the game for a long time. I mean, there's not many, many, uh, many car owners you can say that's been out there for the longest time. Yeah, you know, it's it's been a long time. You know, those that's that beef pack. You know, the beef Packers car for so long, and some of the you know apps, you know, Hall of Famers have have driven in that car. So, you know, hopefully things pan out well for him. Maybe they find a, a gem in Spencer. You know. It's the one thing you've seen about this year is, is uh, the true outlaw again. And the guy's just, you know, showing up where he wants to go race and seeing a ton of that. So it's uh, I hope I hope things gel for them. I hope they get out there. And like I said, they've they've had some years where they've run extremely competitive and uh, you know are threats to win. But um, just the championship, I we're still trying to figure it out. <laughs> I think the championship has just eluded them. But um I, I wish I wish all the best for him. Yeah, Brad, you mentioned that Eldora is a bucket list track. Um, it's one of mine. What other bucket list tracks do you guys have? While we're killing time right now. Well, after watching Dirt Vision and and so forth, uh, Flow Racing, Port Royal is moving right up to the top. I, that's that. All the races that I've seen this year has been pretty pretty spectacular. But uh, Tulare, I, I definitely want to go to the the uh, Trophy Cup up there and watch Tulare's race. Um, I want to, uh, go to Lucas oil and Wheatland. Although I, I, I question how good the racing is there. Um, that the facility is phenomenal, but you just don't see a lot of great races there, at least on what that I've seen. So, uh, those are some like maybe the top three, but, uh, um, 
I went to Skagit once and absolutely loved it. Uh, but there's there's some tracks, but those are probably my top three right now. Yeah, definitely. Tulare is definitely on one of mine. Uh, yeah, Port Royal is probably up there. And, you know, as a third, I don't really know. Uh, no, River Cities uh, up in Grand Forks. Great, great track. A lot of fun. Only outhouses for restrooms, so you got to be prepared for that. But it, I, I love that place. That was We sat in on bleachers in turn one, and it was amazing. Outhouses, who needs those? I, I peed around the corner right outside your garage the other day. So. <laughs> yeah, I was, yeah I, last time I was up there, Grand, oh, was it Grand Forks, and I stay, it's the same place with fairgrounds because, man, used to be street lights for lights. It, it, I, I envisioned it once we sat there watching, it was like uh, watching a racer, it was like having the bed spins. I mean, it was just, you know, it, and that was when it was quarter mile. And it was just so tight. And you get around that place in less than 10 seconds. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Amazing. Bed spins. Are you talking about the races or just after we leave here recording a podcast? No, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> I, the other thing I remember about Grand Forks was uh, destroying a car and putting it together, putting another one together in the hotel parking lot till about three in the morning. So it was um, it was quite the night. Yeah, I think Jason he pulled it up and uh Roth did not win a championship with Lasowski. It was nope. Lasowski's first year in the Tony Stewart. Tony Stewart. Yeah. Oh yeah. So he did win a Knoxville championship and from my understanding, uh Roth still has that car from uh the Knoxville National Championship. It'd be a great piece to have. You know, I'm jealous of these museums. I would love to have, you know, a garage <laughs> with, you know, some cool memorabilia in it. I but have a museum where you could put it in. <laughs> yeah. Speedway. Yeah. <laughs> All right, with that being said, we're going to take another quick break, and then we're going to jump on the horn with uh, Saturday night's feature winner at Houston Speedway, Tim Kading. And just a reminder, this is uh, this this podcast is not uh, it's not unfiltered, so we don't know what we're going to get with TK. We're hoping for something good, so uh, stay tuned, and we'll we'll jump on with TK here in just a bit. Welcome back, everybody. We are going to be joined here in just a bit by our feature guest of the night, Tim Kading. Uh, looking for a great interview from him. You never know what you're going to get with him uh, on the phone. Yeah, well, definitely one of the most exciting characters in sprint car racing. Definitely having a fun time every time he's around on the racetrack. Yeah, and I think since his son was born, I think that he's more about having fun. I mean, you know he still wants to win, but he's more about having fun and just kind of enjoying his time instead of being so focused on winning a race yeah definitely so we'll we'll see what he has to say and you know kind of recap his feature win at houston's and uh kind of talk about having fun and hopefully we can get some good stories out of him yeah for sure yeah, you damn right i got what happened out there i'm fine i just had to deal with my asshole uh teammates deep in All right, joining us on the phone now, fresh off a feature win, picking up a cool 10 grand at Houston Speedway this past weekend, is Tim Kading. Tim, how's it going, man? Good, good. Just uh, here in Indiana, getting ready to run with uh, Tony Stewart's um, race team this weekend and have a little fun with him. 
Oh, damn, you're in the TSR ride this week, and I figured you'd be jumping in the Jason Sides machine. Um, yeah, no, um, Tony, uh, Tony's team called me a couple weeks ago and asked me if I wanted to run this, uh, you know, governor's reign or whatever you want to call it, the COVID not-so-nationals, but uh, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's it's been one of those weird years for everybody, and, um, you know, I'm thankful for the opportunity to drive for um, Tony this week, um, you know, next couple nights here in uh, Eldora. Yeah, definitely. Let's rewind it a little bit. Go back to Saturday night as you picked up the uh, feature one at Houston with the uh, the Midwest Power Series. I, I believe that's what they call they call that series. Uh, just talk about your night over at Houston. I, I made the trip up. It was my first ever, ever visit there, and I was I was impressed with the facility, the racetrack. It was a great time. Uh, obviously, you had a hell of a time, you know, picking up that ten grand. Yeah, you know. We've run Houston's for uh, quite a few years with Dave Lundstra and. Um, when it got taken over and turned into Badlands, it was um, you know another successful year for us. And then they've been shut down for a while, but uh, to be able to get back to you know, needless to say, my home away from home, the last five years of my life was uh, awesome. You know, we we put ourselves into a great spot in the heat race. Um, you know, made and took full advantage of that situation. Uh, went from there, um, drew the number one pill and, uh, you know, that was about all we wrote. You know, we cruised around, had fun. Um, we tried a lot of little things that, uh, we needed to get our car better and it worked, you know, and I got to thank, um, you know, Dominic and Gary Selzy from, you know, Selzy Enterprise. They lent us a motor and we were able to go out and race. You know, I felt bad that Dom blew his motor up in the heat race and offered to take mine out. And he said, nope. We're uh, we're gonna let you go for it and have some fun. We can't argue with that. You know, it's a in what, what's been a crazy year here. You're kind of running that sort of that true outlaw uh, the schedule, as it were. How is it jumping from you know one car to a different car? And like you said, you know, now you're gonna hop into a Tony Stewart racing car. What's you know you've been running for a long time, but what's the kind of mindset that it takes to do something like that? I know some guys they've got to gel with their crew and kind of you know s- stuck with them, but how do you uh, how do you adapt from you know different ride to different ride, getting along, things like that? Um, you know, it, being in racing as long as we have, I've you know got a decent relationship with most uh, mostly everybody out here that's you know still old school if you want to call it um, us older racers tend to stick together but um, you know I've, I've known Ricky Warner and Jason Sides a long time and um, you know it's it's all about enjoying the moments you know especially with the way this year's been it's not been the greatest year for me racing we've had a lot of decent luck but a lot of uh, stupid things happen at the same time so you know to be able to gel with somebody you just you know you have to understand what they want they want out of a race car and and what you want out of the race car at the same time and if you can get that to work um it's going to be successful you know we've we've jumped in and out of a car you know here and there and different cars almost all year and um, you know, I haven't, I've built brand new cars to race back home in California and I've raced them four times. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely not fun. Uh, my seat looks like, uh, um, Swiss cheese, but, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, it's, it's definitely getting lighter cause the older you get, the more pounds you hold on to, and, uh, you got to figure out a way to get the car lighter. So might as well drill some extra holes in the seat. Well, you, you've been a driver for the, and I apologize. I don't know the team name but the 42 car in california you get you've been the driver for them for the last several years and did, did that kind of take a hit just because of the COVID thing and california's not really racing a whole lot and and so you had to venture out towards uh, the midwest and and so forth to race yeah it did um you know we we were a 360 team for the last couple of years and we had to you know we i i wanted to support the king of the west narc series out there and and get more cars and get it more competitive and with the covid um you know with lockdown basically is what we call it um it it definitely took a hit running 410 stuff there's a lot of 360 things there a lot of 360 races yeah um you know and it's difficult for me because it's where the team's based out of they're out of sacramento area it's easier for them to get to a racetrack where i'm in the bay area or san jose 
and it's it's a three and a half hour drive every night you know every night we want to go race so um you know to be able to have the opportunities to come back east and race some more um with jason sides and the outlaw stuff getting canceled at the beginning of the year and end of the year um we had some you know backing to run that car this year so there was about 20 races we were going to run with him um i think i had 10 races slated with uh dave lunstra this year and you know with the tony stewart thing coming up uh the the Adam main car that I ran at 360 nationals were opportunities that I had going, but you know, not with Tony, but with the other stuff. And, um, you know, I'm just, I've been trying to add races as, as I can go, you know, and, and it's, it's difficult being in California. Um, so being in the Midwest, um, you know, thankful Dave Lundstra has put up with me for three months or so now. And, uh, I don't know how he does it, but I think he just closes the door and walks away most of the time. uh, You know, he just looks the other way and lets me have fun and, and live my life up there, you know, and, and it's been awesome. I've had my son come up there a couple of times this year to get away from all the crap in California and, and let him be a kid and not have to uh, wear a mask or gloves or any of that to go to a park. So, so are you ready to move to South Dakota? If they could actually warm up about 55, 60 degrees, <laughs> in winter, yeah. definitely. Yeah. You know, it's, <laughs> it gets too cold there. I can tell you that. I mean, I, I, I love winter. Um, I love my winter in California a lot more than oh, for sure. of everybody. Cause I can still go golfing in December where nobody can do that anywhere else in the United States. It's, it's kind of funny. You say you drive three and a half hours North to, and you're still in California. And if you're in a, a Sioux Falls uh, area, you drive three and a half hours. You're in like four different States. Exactly. And that's, <laughs> that's the crazy part. You know, it's, where I where I where I live in California, I'm 40 minutes from the beach, four and a half hours from uh, the snow, and I like right where I'm at because there is absolutely nothing, you know, nothing going on there except for, you know, I think we get a couple 30 day, uh, 30 degree weather days, and other than that, it's uh, beautiful and sunny. So as I was saying earlier, uh, you know, uh, we're our podcast here is based in Nebraska, and I had the opportunity. I took my daughter out to Disneyland out there, and. Uh, Anaheim last year and one of my big things was if I'm going out to California I'm going to go out to a race I saw you guys race at Hanford with the 360 series uh drove right by Tulare but I heard on the uh the uh PA system over at Houston that Tulare is a uh, Houston is a lot like Tulare is that kind of kind of true the way it races and is that why the California boys had such a success out there this past week weekend um yeah I think so I mean Tulare Tulare's a get up on the wheel um, you want to hang on, you know, kind of like Cusets. Um, it's a little bit wider um, of a racetrack at times, um, but Tulare is one of those things where you can beat the fence down and and carry a lot of mile per hour. And, and Cusets runs, you know, pretty much the same way, uh, which is a, which is kind of nice for us California guys because most of the stuff back there is a lot bigger than what we have. Um, Tulare and Hanford, Calistoga are about the three biggest tracks we have in California. Yeah, definitely. I, I would I would expect the uh, Eagle Raceway. I know you've raced there a couple times with the Outlaws. Um, we noticed the Nebraska boys had a lot of success in the IMCA series at Houston last week. So I'm going to guess all three of those tracks are kind of the same. Yeah, you know, I mean, the biggest thing, like, Eagle is, you know, it, it's similar with the banking. Um, it's probably got more, but a lot more banking. It's probably like racing the, the fence or the hill on at uh, Placerville. But, um, you know, Eagle's definitely one of those giddy-up tracks you get in. And if you have uh, big enough balls to get up around the top, you can definitely make up some ground speed and be able to drive around guys or, you know, pass them by driving underneath them. Oh, I got one last question for you. And going back to Luntra Motorsports and uh, your win with them last weekend at Houston's in the 10,000, um, Dave has done a ton for sprint car racing in the Midwest and the upper Midwest. He's fielded a car with uh, Mark Dobmeyer for many, many years. How did you and him get together? And uh, clearly it's lasted for like the last five years and you you guys have some decent success. How, how did that all come together? And, uh, um, and, and I guess, how does it keep clicking and how do you make it work with you being in California and him being in South Dakota? Um, you know, me and Dave were friends up to, you know, the point where him and, um, him and Mark split up and, you know, I basically called, I called Dave just to, you know, see what happened and how things were going. And 
didn't really have a ride at that point and, you know, really didn't think of, you know, jumping in. You know, I don't think Dave wanted to jump back into racing right away after him and Mark Flick because they had such um, good success and built such a great foundation underneath themselves. And, and he, um, you know, I just, I called, basically asked uh, what happened and we talked about it a little bit and he gave me the short gist of it. Um, didn't really think he was going to start racing again anytime soon. And he called me a couple months later and, um, you know, offered me the opportunity to come up there and race for him. He wanted to, to run around there and have some fun. And, um, you know, we became brothers. Um, you know, Dave's, you know, a couple years older than I am and we, we just gelled right away. You know, we're, we're probably more like brothers than, than most car owners and, and drivers, but we understood what both both wanted. We both wanted to win. We both wanted to have fun um, doing it again, racing, and not not get too stressed out about it. So it was, uh, I think, a perfect opportunity for the two of us to to gel and and work. And it's um, you know become a lasting friendship more than it has anything. You know, he's he kind of sold a little bit of everything a few years ago and kept a couple things here and there for us to go tinker with and have some fun. And, and it's, it's been an opportunity, you know, um, you know, for friendship, they're my family. They, you know, allow me to bring my son in and my son gets to have fun and hang out with, uh, with, um, with Dave's kids. And we just, we, we turn it into a family affair. Well, you touched on a couple things that brought me to my next question. One is that, uh, um, you guys are, it seems to me from the outside looking and I haven't talked to either one of you in several years, so I have no idea, but it seems to me that you guys are at the racetrack to have a lot of fun, but you are still focused on trying to win a race. And so, um, that, that clearly, in my opinion, it looks like you guys are having fun and you are winning races and you're being successful, but being brothers, I guess that could be bad and good. Can it? <laughs> oh yeah. No, we, we have our, our agreements and disagreements here and there, but, um, you know, what, what racing family doesn't, you know, we, we built a couple cars. Um, they're just sitting there collecting dust most of the time, but, um, you know, it, he can, we both have our ups and downs in the sport. Everybody does. And when we're good, we're good. When we have bad luck, we both, uh, you know, we both talk about it. We sit down, discuss what we think we need to do to get better. And we always end up coming out on the other side pretty good. Well, Tim, I want to thank you for uh, jumping on with us. Before we let you go, one thing we like to do here is, is tell stories. Um, back in 2007, it was Knoxville Nationals, my first time ever there, and I, I was familiar with your name, but I, I, I wasn't aware of the allure of Tim Kading. But it was a rain out on a Wednesday night, pouring rain, uh, streets are flooded, and there's this dude on an air mattress floating down the street just having a <laughs> hell of a time. Lo and behold, I go, who the hell was that? And then somebody told me, that's Tim Kading. And at that point, I knew this guy likes to have fun. Uh, it's apparent in, in, you know, to this day still that you like to have fun. You wear the, you know, the goofy headdresses, the masks, and all that sort of stuff with driver introductions. What is it about you and just having a, you know, basically a hell of a time out there racing, even though it's, it's a serious business? But like you mentioned earlier, you just want to have fun. You know, um, just to put it out there, I was actually completely sober when I rode that air mattress. (laughs) Definitely. Um, Just like we are right now recording this. Yeah, I was definitely drunk about three hours after that, but I was was after my brother's bed that he was sleeping in, so I was like, yeah, he'll sleep on it anyways. Um, but, Are you serious? You took your brother's bed and floated? <laughs> oh yeah, I just I just threw all the stuff on the side of the bed right next to it and took it and floated down the street, got him up in two houses, out into a big field. It was, uh, I mean, the water was probably you know knee high, and it, it was going in between the two houses that we always stayed at. And I just like, you know, I wonder if I could ride the air matches from there all the way down, and it made it all the way down the street and through the through the the houses and down into the little. Uh, big area in the bottom that was all flooded. So it was uh, one of those things everybody was just like, what is wrong with you? And, um, you know, sometimes you got to have fun in the sport and it's become so serious the last few years and politically correct that when you step outside of that, that seriousness, it, it, I think eases a lot of people's uh, mindset on what they do in a race car. And, um, you know, last year I, I bought some motorcycle helmets cover things and one of them one of them was a jackrabbit and the other one was a pumpkin and warm wheel packing in california 
you know, and just drove by guys waving at them. And they're just like, what is wrong with you? Uh, it's like, yeah, too many bumps to the head probably. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm also that guy that, you know, there's there's guys that I race with that I pull up next to, you know, before we start a race, I give them thumbs up or crack a beer and pretend I'm drinking it already. And, um, you know, you just – the tension gets so high in a race car and, and to be able to ease somebody's mind a little bit and your, your own, I try to – you know, look at the, the, the fun aspects of everything, you know, and, and you have to do that now every now and then. And when you do do that, it actually releases and you're not so stressed out every time you do something or go on the racetrack. So, you know, if I, if I can put a, put a giggle or laugh on somebody's face and, you know, have a crazy picture taken of me, I'm perfectly okay with it. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's who I've been. It's how I've always been. I mean, you know, growing up wheel packing, we used to make mud clods and see who could stick the biggest mud clod on somebody's car on wheel packing. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, it definitely yeah. explains why you're friends with uh, Jason Sides. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> we we have fun on and off the racetrack, and you know, we have a lot more fun when we when we run good. You know, I mean, Jason's a great guy. He's giving me great opportunities to run for him, and um, you know, I I went. And, when I lived back here in Indiana one year, uh, Tony Stewart wanted to do some wing testing and his driver couldn't make it. So I went and drove one of his cars and, and Darren Pittman was there and I got there and ended up having uh, two left shoes cause I grabbed the wrong shoe and ended up walking, <laughs> you know, both cars like, now nah, I know why you get around so good, you know, and this and that. And it's just like, <laughs> Yeah, I felt like an idiot, so I kept hiding my foot the whole time, you know, like, don't, don't look at my little foot, it's not right, you know, so. Okay, well, we've bothered you enough tonight, but I got one last question. You're, uh, among having fun at the racetrack and all that stuff, you, you've you been known for your 360 donuts after you win, and you, you did not disappoint uh, Saturday up in Houston. Uh, um what is it like to, to do those 360s? I mean, it, it's it, as a fan, it's amazing. It's so fun, fun to watch you guys do that. But how, I mean, is it as easy as it looks for you? Or is it, I mean, how did you decide to do all that? And it, I mean, it's just amazing. So I'm going to age myself. And I ran second to Steve Kinzer at Gold Cup in 2002. And it was probably the best you know, the most awesome feeling to be able to race with Steve Kinzer at your home track and run second to him. And I just started doing them for some reason that night. And we've all done donuts in the snow or the ice, and you know, big open parking lot. And it, it's similar to that. You know, once it gets going, you just, you kind of try to find a point on the racetrack where you're, you're going to be like riding the tilt a whirl or teacups or anything like that. And, um, you know, you just, you, once it starts going, you pray you don't hit anything and or anybody, but, um, that's why I try to not do them near anyone anymore, but it's, you know, it's something that's that and doing wheelies, you know, like we, we see guys get out of cars and they just stand on the, on the top wing and you don't get to show enough emotion by just doing that. And when we're able to do and show a little bit, it's, um, it's something that, you know, the fans get a kick out of, they love it. And that's the biggest reason why we still do this stuff, you know, is the fans. We got to keep the fans entertained, and uh, we have to bring the entertainment level up to to their expectations at times. Yeah, definitely. I can say for sure that uh, when you fired off after going off the scales on Saturday night, you fired off. Um, I'm standing up there with the other photographers on the front stretch, and you, you rip off them. And first, I was scared for me. I didn't know if you were going to do the donuts right there. Then you can fly around the corner. Then you got McCarl and Jeffrey parked down there and turned. Turn two, arguing, fighting, and you rip your three sixties uh, and turn three and four. But when you stopped and got out of the car, you did not wait for my fat ass to run up there to get a photo of you on the wing dance. So I'm very disappointed in that. Uh, well, it's I got back on the front. I mean, it, it's it's hard, you know. Like, um, you know, if you bring up my celebration from the classic um, over in Australia a couple years ago, I got told by the car owner if I win. And I don't flip the car over. I wasn't going to get paid. So <laughs> it was it was one of those things. I got a lot of grief over that one. But, um, you know, a lot of people don't understand that, you know, when your car tells you if you win and you don't flip a car over, you don't get paid. It's it's a long trip home from Australia. But, um, <laughs> you know, you. I, I think the biggest thing now is, you know, we nine times out of ten we have to go across the scales 
um, you know, and the emotion kind of lets down a little bit from winning. I mean, I ran fourth and fifth at the Nationals the last couple years that we run Jason Sides' car, and I cried like I just won the Nationals, you know. So it's, you know, the emotion comes out when it when it needs to right away, and then after that you're kind of like, oh, right, you know, you don't. You don't have that spark that you did right when you you get out of the race car. So, you know, it's it's hard to justify allowing a car to not go across the scale nowadays. But, you know, I think they need to allow a guy to get out of the car right away and and celebrate and take the car right over and have an official stand there so nobody touches it. So, you know, I think if we can get the, the raw emotions from people right away, it'll it'll make the crowd into it just as much because the crowd usually starts leaving when the when the guys go over the scales so you know if, if we can just get the, the winners on the front stretch get them happy and when they're right rightfully happy and it'd be better for the fans and bring the emotions back for the fans and they'd understand it a lot more yeah as a photographer i definitely agree with you it's always nice when they allow the car just to pull up on the front stretch right away yeah definitely it is and it some places you're allowed to, other places you're not. So, you know, it's uh, hopefully they listen and be able to do that. Yeah, definitely. Well, we took enough of your time out. I want to thank you for jumping on with us, taking time out of your day as you're getting ready for Eldora this, uh, tomorrow, actually. Yep. So uh, good luck tomorrow in the Tony Stewart ride, and uh, thanks for jumping on with us. No problem. Anytime you guys need a good laugh, just give me a call. Yeah, definitely. We Like I said, we love stories here, so uh, we definitely might be giving you a call back. Thanks, Tim. No, no worries. You, Anytime. Tim. You guys have a good night. You too, Tim. Thanks a lot. All right, that was Tim Kading, man. That was uh, he did not disappoint. It was uh, you know a little storytelling, little uh, the PC you know normal driver interview, but uh, this dude likes to have fun. You know, it's it's nice to hear him talk about you know getting the emotion back in. I mean, when this is all said and done, I think one of the things that we forget is one of the reasons I think we all like dirt track racing is it isn't that sterile environment like a NASCAR or a Formula One or. You know, any of those big series, there's still that that connection. And I think sometimes with all the changes with sponsorships and TVs and having to package everything in there, and especially now, you know, the social media age, uh, everything's got to be so so sterile. And it's just, it would be great to have that, you know, kind of that small track home, you know, weekly sort of excitement, but at the big level where, you know, where the stakes are higher and the emotions will run even higher yet. So it was great to hear Tim, you know, one of those last outlaws still having fun. Yeah, definitely. I was surprised to hear that he was sober when he was doing the uh, surfing down the on the air mattress. Well, it was like five o'clock in the afternoon on a race day, so <laughs> <laughs> that's not a complete surprise. But yes, to it be is said, a we surprise. were rained out for two hours prior, though. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> Test. I right. remember walking down there with my daughter, and we looked down the street, and that dude's floating down the the, the street, and we're like, "What the hell?" But yeah, that that story's been told a hundred times, and it never fails to to bring laughter. That's it's pretty awesome, but. Would that happen today? Uh, back with, then, with Tim, it would. <laughs> back then, people are so worried about they didn't care, but now they're so worried about their image and what sponsors are going to oh, think. What's it what going to look like on the cell phone? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you wonder if if it would happen today. But Tim's still out there having fun, and that's that's he he has a lot of fans because of that. You know, Tim mentioned that you know during wheel packing, you know he he, he made gestures to other drivers, you know, thumbs up, cracking the beer. Reminds me of one local guy here during wheel packing, uh, Mr. Tad Holloman. Yeah. <laughs> Every time he rolls by a photographer, he gives you the uh, your number one salute. Yeah. <laughs> well, and and that was the thing, you know. I felt, you know, I felt important. You know, I was I was number one, and then he did it to you, and and then I just didn't feel so significant. Anymore. Yeah, we were all number one in his book. <laughs> I believe even Brad was number one a few times. Yeah, in his book. I think so. Yeah. I remember even back further when when Midwest Speedway was going on. There was some wheel packing going on, and I remember Don Droud Sr. and Eddie Bowes going down the front stretch, and they were throwing mud clods at each other. And I was just – I would just – it was hilarious that they would do that. And and clearly they were in a wheel packing, so it's not that big of a deal. But uh, they're competitors on the track, but yet they're still friends. And so to see those guys picking mud off their Nerf bars and throwing at each other, I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, it's it's something I miss. I mean, even back in the old days now, you know, you looked at the the fights. I mean, obviously, you know, there's famous photos of Steve and Sammy fighting at front stretch at Eagle and 
the rivalries and guys that, you know, would talk at each other a little bit. And, and maybe at the end, you know, they would talk at each other and then have a beer right afterwards. So it it was a different time, I guess, you know. I don't know. I, I feel bad about it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's been a hell of a ride this episode. Uh, you know, you guys got any plans for this week? Obviously, it's probably going to be flow, or flow racing tomorrow night with the uh, – Governor's Classic or where Governor's whatever rain. Governor's Rain or you Governor's know the COVID rain. Nationals is uh, COVID as Tim so yeah, as, as Tim called it or uh, but Eldora's on Flow Racing tomorrow night is I'm sure that's where we're gonna all be tuned into. I'll be up next two nights and next weekend, probably just hanging out, relaxing, yard work and stuff like that. This is probably the latest I've paid attention to racing, you know, in a long time. Usually when it dies out around here i kind of peter out so. yeah normally after you know the nebraska cup or whatever it's 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 yeah time to play hockey, well, to play hockey. so many so many tracks are announcing their champion already uh, i-90 they're done uh i don't know about park jefferson i, I you know I, I don't they haven't really raced in a while more and more tracks are just calling it a season just because covid19 and we're getting towards the end yep exactly so speaking of the end that's probably the end of this episode for jason brad uh, everybody have a good night and we'll catch you all on the flip side. Cheers. Good night.